All right, everybody. Hey, I just want to say welcome to New Life. Glad so many of you guys are here. My name's Jeff. Sit back, enjoy. Uh, God's got something in store for you. How many guys are excited to be at New Life today? Come on, anybody? Wow, that's awesome, man. We're in this series. We called it Whisper. We believe here at New Life that uh, God speaks, and he still speaks to people today. Uh, We believe that God speaks through his word. We believe that God speaks, you know, prophetically. Uh, We believe that God is speaking uh, to us in prayer, and he's speaking to us through his spirit for sure. Uh, We just believe that we serve a God who is alive today. He's not dead, and nor is he distant, but he's here, and he's close, and he's got something amazing and special for you in your life today. And that's why we've joined together. God's got something he wants to say to you guys. He's got a whisper that he's been speaking to you maybe for a period of time and you've been wondering to yourself, could that actually be God? And today in our teaching series, I'm gonna tackle a really massive topic and that is, how do you confirm that God's actually speaking to you? How can you confirm that it's actually God and it's not just a pizza you ate last night? Right, all right, because we've all had those moments. Pepperoni pizza seems to be the worst, I'm just saying, right there. Although, who loves pepperoni pizza? Let me see pepperoni pizza. Okay, just keep your hand up, pepperoni pizza, people. Okay, all right, very good. I just want to see. I'm going to take a quick poll. All right, this is for future future reference. How many guys like sausage people? Come on, sausage people. How many guys are just plain cheese people? So boring. All right, so... Like, why, why do they even call that pizza? I don't know. Sorry about that, Pam. All right, anyways. I didn't mean for that to end on a diss, all right? I meant, I just meant for that, hey, pastors take note, all right? That's the kind of pizza people like, all right? So stop buying anchovies. All right, so confirmation, like everybody needs confirmation, all right? Like we are a people in our humanity, we crave confirmation for things. Like think about it this way, all right? I've raised four kids, all right? My four kids, uh, they're all grown now, they're all married, and we've got grandchildren, and, and guess what? Everybody loves Jesus. And that's awesome, right? I mean, come on, that's good. That's good, right? That's in spite of me, okay? It's in spite of what I've done, all right? Because come on, parents, if, you're, if your kids love Jesus, we can get this false you know, pride kind of going on, like, look what we did. Really, it's all the walls we built. They overcame them. Our kids are the ones that are incredible, all right? So I got four incredible kids, and we, we raised them. But here's what happened. Like, let's say that Kim and I were going to go out on a date, and they were little, and Brittany's our oldest, and she's going to be in charge. I'd say to Brittany, Britt, look, you're in charge, okay? What you say goes. Other three, do you hear that? Yeah, Dad, we hear that. That's confirmation, all right? Now, Brittany, make sure everybody's in bed by 10 if we're not back by then, and don't let your, your siblings eat all the food out of the refrigerator at one sitting, Okay? and be nice to them, don't hit each other. And then you'll say something like this as a parent. So what are you supposed to do, kids? Right? And they give you that blank stare like they haven't been listening for the last five minutes. And they're like, uh, don't, don't hit each other. And I'm like, okay, good, you got at least one of them, all right. Okay, good. Um, so uh, you want confirmation back though. You're like, even when they were kids, you wanna know, you know, what are you saying? Like I got carpenter friends, okay? Carpenter friends, and carpenter friends will tell me this. They go, look, here's how you become a great carpenter. You measure twice and you cut. All you guys can be great carpenters, see? That's all it takes. Okay, it's way more than that. All right, measure twice. What's the measure twice? Confirmation, confirmation. Like the series before this was all about flying, okay? And I took all these piloting, you know, acronyms and, you know, the instrumentation and flying into the clouds, instrument rated. And I took all of that stuff because I'm a pilot and I love to fly. Um, I was just flying yesterday, low over the river with a friend of mine, just taking shots of his house. It was a blast, right? And so 
Um, I, I love it. But one of the things as a pilot that you have to do, if you're going to fly into Lincoln, as an example, then you contact Lincoln Tower, Lincoln Tower, Sky 1103 Mike. You know, we're 10 miles to the, to the uh, west, and we're inbound at 3,500 feet with Foxtrot. And he'll come back, and he'll say, you know, hey, Sky 1103 Mike, Lincoln Tower, uh, clear to land runway 17 right. And here's what he wants me to do. He wants me to repeat back, Lincoln Tower, Sky 1103 Mike, clear to land runway 17 right. Like he wants to hear that. He wants me to say it. If I don't say it just like that, he'll come back and he'll, he'll say, hey, Skyhawk 1103 Mike, confirm. You know, clear to land, runway 17 right. And then I'll have to repeat it again. All right, Roger, confirmed, land, runway 17 right, right? I, I gotta say it back. He has to hear me say it so that he knows where I'm at in the air and I know what his expectation is so that when I'm coming in, I don't foul anything up. Our whole life is built on, I need a confirmation. Right, that I'm doing the right thing and I'm heading the right direction. So it wouldn't be a surprise then to say that when God's whispering to your life, that God would stand behind his word and he would give a confirmation. That shouldn't come as a surprise. Shouldn't come as a surprise that God's willing to confirm his word. In fact, I would say to you that God is a God who does confirm his word and he confirms it all the time to us. And today, to help us understand that and to grasp what does it look like to hear a whisper from God and have it confirmed that we know that it's God speaking, we're going to look at Judges chapter 6. So if you have a Bible with you or you have your YouVersion app in a smartphone device or a tablet, I've already put all the information on there. You can go and search in the event, event category under YouVersion for you know, New Life Carney, and you'll, you'll get all my notes for this particular service right now. Judges Chapter 6 is where we're at. That's in the Old Testament. If you don't know where it is and you have an analog Bible, which is a Bible in print, then just go to the beginning of it, the table of contents, look it up, contents, excuse me, and look it up and then just get the page number and go there. If you've got, obviously, a phone, you can get there a lot quicker and it doesn't make any noise. But either way, you choose to do it. I don't care. It's go to Judges chapter 6. We're going to be looking at a guy by the name of Gideon. Now, Gideon was a young man who uh, was like... He was living in a time where the Israelites had really sinned a lot. I mean, they had, they had sinned so much that they had started worshiping false gods. They had turned from the one true God. They had been liberated from Egypt, but they had quickly turned their back on God and started worshiping false idols and just, you know, it was, it was a bad scene. Gideon's living during this time, and because of that, God has allowed oppressors called the Midianites and other raiders from other lands to come in and to take all of their livestock, take all of their, um, um, all their grain, take all their crops. Their crops would grow, the enemies would come in and just wipe out their crops. And the Israelites are living in caves and are living up in the mountains and you know where they aren't and they're found and they are, they're killed or they're brought into slavery or something like that. In fact, during the moment that Gideon is alive, there's a genocide happening to the Israelite people. It's a very oppressive moment um, that he's alive. But Israel starts to wake up and they start to realize, hey, we've really turned our back on God and they start crying out to God in repentance. And God hears that, okay? And this is the beauty of God. God hears the repentance and says, okay, I'm going to deliver you from the enemy. Here's how I'm going to deliver you from the enemy. I'm going to raise up a guy right within your own midst. His name is Gideon, and he's going to be a young leader who's going to lead an army, who's going to crush the Midianites, and I'm going to set you free. Now, look, before we get into the story, when I brought up the name Gideon, many of you already knew part of the story. 
And even some of you that are here today that you're like, hey, look, I'm not even a Christian, Jeff, but I'm here at New Life because I'm searching to find out, is God who he says that he is? Hey, by the way, if that's you, let me just speak to you for a second. I'm proud of you, right? It, it takes a lot of guts. It takes a lot of tenacity to walk into a church and to say, I'm on a journey to discover who God is, but I'm, I have yet to get there. And I want to say, say to you, you're welcome here, all right? And uh, I'll be more than happy to help you in any capacity and answer any question. Uh, I don't think there's really anything about God that needs to be hidden. I think all about God is, is light and it like leads us to the truth. And so I'll be more than happy to help you with that. Um, but even you that are, would say, look, I'm not following God. Maybe I'm far from God or I have little biblical knowledge. A lot of people know something about Gideon. They've heard this story of Gideon asking for this confirmation of God's word where Gideon takes this piece of wool and he throws it out onto the ground um, overnight where dew settles. And he says, God, if you're the one who's calling me to lead, the, lead an army against the Midianites, then in the morning, I want the wool to be wet and the ground to be dry. Gideon wakes up the next morning, that's exactly the way it is. And then Gideon, with all of his incredible faith, says, God, I'm still not sure, so we're going to do this one more time the next night, and I'm going to lay the wool out, and this time I'm going to wake up in the morning, the wool to be dry, and the ground to be wet, and that's exactly what happens. Now, that's a story that so many people know, I'm not even preaching it. I want to preach, and I want to teach from the moment that happened before all of this. I want, I want to talk to you about the moment when Gideon had to first be confronted with the whisper of God, to know the whisper of God, and to be confident that he was actually even hearing the voice of God in the first place. I want to go back to when Gideon first shows up on the scene. Judges chapter 6, okay, verse 12, says that the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and he said, mighty hero, the Lord's with you. <laughs> this is what I find it so interesting. Very first scene, right off the bat, the angel of the Lord shows up to Gideon. Gideon's a man who is like, he's stepping on grapes, making juice in a wine press, hiding it from the Midianites and from all the raiders because if they found it, they would take it. So he's hiding and he's doing this and this angel of the Lord shows up and says to him these words, you're a mighty hero. Guess what? He hasn't done anything until this point. What does that tell us about God? That tells us God knows more about you than you know about yourself. And when God whispers to you, it might sound crazy. It might sound like it's loopy. It's like it's off the deep end of the pool. But God knows where he's leading you. And so here's Gideon. He doesn't see himself as a mighty hero, as a mighty warrior. No wonder Gideon starts searching for a confirmation from God. But before we get into this story too far, I think we all need to be on the same page here. So when the Bible says the angel of the Lord showed up, in the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord most times can be translated to what many theologians, and I'm not a theologian, just a pastor, but I do believe this from my own study of God's word, that when the angel of the Lord shows up in the Old Testament, it is God, the Son, showing up in angelic form, in spirit, angel form, interacting with man face to face. Many people, many Christians think that Jesus shows up on the scene in the New Testament as a baby. That would be the wrong interpretation. God is three in one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He has always been three in one, and he will always be three in one. At the beginning of creation, it was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit who were weaving creation into its, into its mold that it is today. 
And so when the angel of the Lord shows up, it is Jesus, that's what we call him, the Son of God showing up in angelic form ministering to man. Now, one of the ways that we know that is because if you've got you version or your Bible open in verse 14, he comes back and it says, then the Lord turned to him. One of the things that is unique about when angels show up in the Bible is that angels, they never let man worship them and they never try to interpret themselves or present themselves as God. They always present themselves as what an angel is, a messenger from God. In these moments where the angel of the Lord shows up, they receive worship, right? And they speak as the Lord. And so here in verse 14, then the Lord turned to him. And you'll find that kind of same thing happening like in the, in the beginning of the book of Joshua, as an example, when Joshua kicks off his leadership, right after Moses dies and the Israelites come into the promised land and the, the angel of the Lord meets with Joshua as well. You'll find that happening in many different places. So here's where we're at. Gideon is meeting with God. God's there in, in the person He's there in flesh meeting with Gideon, and Gideon's unsure that the angel of the Lord is God. That's how the story goes. He's unsure that this, are you God? I know that you're not human. I know that you're some spirit angelic being, but are you really God? He's doubting that. He needs confirmation for that. And he's doubting and he needs confirmation that the Lord would really help him. I mean, I mean think about it. Gideon's being raised in a period of time where for somebody to say, I heard from God, no one's saying I heard from God. Everyone's turned their back on God, right? Gideon's living in a time where he's totally oppressed. His life could be taken from him at any given moment. He's, he's thinking if there is a God, is that God really for us? And is he really to help us? Or is he just bringing condemnation to us? That's where Gideon's at in his mindset. So the bottom line of this picture is this, that the physical presence of God is standing before Gideon, but Gideon still needs a confirmation. So Gideon says these words. In verse 17, Gideon replied, if you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it's really the Lord speaking to me. Don't go away until I come back and I bring my offering to you. And so he answered, who's he? The Lord. The Lord answered Gideon, I will stay here until you return. Guys, these, these two verses right here, they blow my mind. Here, here's, here's why it blows my mind. Gideon says to the Lord, okay? He doesn't know it's the Lord. He knows he's not human. He's not sure what he is. He says to the Lord, I need confirmation that you're actually speaking to me. Here's what you and me would do. Give it to me. Gideon, on the other hand, says, I need confirmation. Would you do this? Would you wait here? Because I, I need to go make an offering for you. Like, I know you're not man. I, don't, I definitely don't want to be on your bad side. I'm going to go make an offering. I'm not trying to test you. I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I know you're not human. I'm trying to figure out if you're God. I'm going to go make an offering is what the Bible says. Now, the offering that he goes to make is a meal. And this meal is his worship. His worship to this being that he doesn't even know is God, but he thinks it might be God. So he goes and he makes this meal. I mean, think, now, now think this all through with me. God has just said to Gideon, I'll wait here. Gideon now goes, goes to prepare a meal. This is not like going through McDonald's drive-thru and ordering like number five and going, oh, by the way, it's, it might be God, supersize it. <laughs> All right? This is, this is not like that. In fact, the Bible says he has to go get a goat, go out to the field, because there's no grocery store. 
Go out to the field, get a goat. I know it sounds a little gross, right? But slaughter the goat, prepare the goat for cooking it, make a fire, get the wood, start the fire, get all the things you need, right? Pots, pans, spices, whatever you got, right? And he puts the meat in there and he cooks it. And the Bible says that he brings back to the angel of the Lord the meat, broth in a separate container, and bread. He's done all of this. How long does it take him to do that? Okay, hours? Can we say hours? Can we say an afternoon? Would that be, would that be like stretching it? This is definitely not 15 minutes or 30 minutes, guys. Hours at best, okay? Afternoon is probably more accurate. So picture with me God, the creator of the universe, is sitting underneath a tree waiting while Gideon goes and prepares an offering for hours so that a man can come back and discover that you really are the creator of the world. That's impressive. What does that tell me about God? That tells me that God, if he's willing to wait for Gideon to confirm his word so that Gideon knows, I am God and I'm for you and I'll help you, if he's willing to wait for Gideon, he's willing to wait for you to confirm the whisper that God speaks to your heart as well. That's the character and the nature of who our God is. He doesn't get angry and mad and bent out of shape when you're like, God, can you confirm that that's you? He doesn't like lower your status and go, I thought you were a person of great faith. Now I'm going to lower you way down here. God doesn't, he doesn't condemn us. When he says to him, I will wait, guess what happened when Gideon brought the offering back? God was there. So God doesn't play games with us either. But when God whispers to us, he can stand behind that whisper. He can confirm that whisper. And it's good for us to ask him to confirm it. It's good for us. And that's the character and nature of God. You even see Jesus promising to his disciples, and you see the heart of God confirming the power of God through the disciples. Take a look at this. Here's just another example. When the disciples were sent out two by two, the disciples went everywhere and they preached, and the Lord worked through them. Great, that's awesome. But what did he do through them? He was confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. Like, hey, disciples, say what you hear me say, and when you say it, I'll confirm that it's accurate by working a miraculous sign. God is a confirming God, and he will confirm his word. So while Gideon was trying to confirm that the whisper of God was the whisper of God, here's what his heart was. His heart was in an attitude of worship. Remember what he was doing. For him, preparing the meal was worship. And he was bringing back an offering to the Lord. So church, please hear me. If you sense God's whispered to you and you want confirmation so you can take action on that, the worst thing you could do would be go do what everyone else did in the book of Judges. Like the book of Judges is a wicked, wicked book. And one of the reasons, the key reason why it's so wicked when you read it and it's hard to grasp and understand is because you need to read the book of Judges with a lens, a filter. And the filter is the very last verse of the book of Judges. It says this, man did what was right in his own eyes. You can interpret the entire book of Judges through the last verse, man did what was right in his own eyes. And that's why there's so much wickedness. Like if you want confirmation that God has whispered to you to take action, right, in your life, to make a big decision in your life, you can't go live however you want to and expect God to confirm that word. You have to do what Gideon was doing, which was put yourself into an attitude of worship. 
An attitude of seeking God with all of our hearts, that's when we find him. An attitude of worship where I, I desire God to live my life to please you. And if that's our desire, I guarantee you God comes along and he confirms his whisper. So back to the story. When Gideon returns with the meal, back to the, back to the Lord, the Lord says to him, Gideon, put the meat on a rock and then take all the broth, pour it on to the meat. And then the Lord does something amazing. He reaches out and he touches it and the, the entire meal is consumed by a, holy, by a holy fire. Gideon's act as an act of worship was bringing an offering back to the Lord. The Lord confirmed to Gideon at that moment by consuming that sacrifice that I am who I say I am. I am God, Gideon. You brought to me a sacrifice, an offering. I consumed it. That means this, I found your worship pleasing in my eyes. And guys, let me just say this to us. You wanna hear the whisper of God and you want the whisper of God confirmed to you? You are the offering. Lay your life down on the rock. Lay your life down, surrender your life before Jesus. Give up your life and you'll gain it. Lay your life down before Jesus and say, here's my life and here's your whisper. And if it's you, consume it like a sacrifice and let me get back up and follow it. Confirm it for me, God. And God confirms it for those who lay their life down like the offering to Gideon laid down on the rock. And when Gideon recognized it was the Lord, the Lord disappeared and Gideon built an altar and he worshiped the Lord there. Gideon's heart was a heart of worship at the beginning, even in the attitude of confirmation, and it was, an, it was an act of worship after the confirmation. The heart of worship is where you find the confirmation that the Lord's whispered to us. When you stay there, when you get close to him, when you press into him, when you grab a hold of him, and you go, God, I just don't wanna let you go. I gotta get close to you. God confirms things in our hearts. And then, very interesting things can start to happen in our lives. This is what happened for Gideon. Just that night, <clears throat> after all this took place, it says, that night, the Lord said to Gideon, all right, now, here's the next thing I want you to do. Take the second bull from your father's herd. You know that one that's seven years old? Get that one. Pull down your father's altar to Baal, false worship and cut down the Asherah poles. That's a false worship thing that they were doing. Standing beside it. Then, build an altar to the Lord your God here, where you've been meeting with me, here on this hilltop sanctuary, laying the stones carefully. Gideon, give it your best, man. Don't, don't second guess me. You've already, had the, you've already had it confirmed to you. Give it your best. You worship me with all of your heart. You give it meticulous detail. You focus in on this, in this, on this assignment. You focus in on your life. You give it your best, Gideon. Lay the stones carefully. Sacrifice the bull as a burnt offering on the altar, using as the fuel the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down. So Gideon took 10 of his servants, and he did as the Lord commanded. Now, I may have distracted you, but did you really truly get what just took place? Here's what happened. Back in verse 12, the angel of the Lord physically appears to Gideon, speaks to him. Gideon's uncertain that it's him. He goes through this act of confirmation. He gets confirmed it is God, right? And then he worships God. This time it's totally different. Go back to the first verse, 25. It says, that night, read this with me. That night the Lord 
He just said it to Gideon. He didn't meet. There wasn't no physical manifestation of God. This time he just said it. Here's what's going on. Gideon's hearing the same voice he just heard before. The Son of God met with Gideon. Now the Spirit of God is speaking to him and is speaking to his heart. The whisper of the Spirit is speaking to his heart. And what does Gideon do differently this time? He doesn't need confirmation. Why? Because the recognition of God's voice was his form of confirmation. And as you get more familiar with the whisper of God, the recognition of God's whisper becomes the very confirmation that you need to start taking the action. Like with my own father, when I was a kid, and I'm not sure that you know, kids still do this anymore, but I, we used to play outside and like in our neighborhood, and we would like run all over the place, and it would start to get dark, and my father would step out onto the porch, and he would whistle with this high-pitched whistle that, it was unbelievable. I'm not, I'm really, it baffles me that he hasn't deafened himself with how bold and, and how loud this whistle is. I could hear it. It felt like from like two, two blocks over, I could hear this, this whistle, and I would recognize it's my dad communicating to me, and the, and the whistle said one thing, it's time to get your butt home. That's what it was saying, basically, right? You get it? Like you might use a different word, like bottom or something like that, but it's, it's, time, it's time to get yourself home. And so I, I, would, I would start making my way home. Did I need my dad to actually show up and get face to face with me every time it was time to go home and say, hey, Jeff, it's time to come home. Did I need him to be like two inches from me, two feet from me or within eyesight of me? No, I didn't need that. The, the, whistle, the whistle became something that I recognized and the recognition was the confirmation my dad's trying to communicate to me. I took the action. Same thing with God. You start to recognize his voice. You don't need the angel of the Lord to show up anymore. Right? You had... Gideon had that moment. He just needs to hear now the whisper of God speak to him. But guys, I want you to know something today. I mean, if you're thinking this, I just want to like blow it up right now. It is not a lack of faith to seek confirmation of a whisper. That is not a lack of faith. Confirming that God's word, um, you know, is true and that God's whisper is accurate is a part of following God. And God has shown us his character and his nature through this passage He doesn't get angry, but he says, I will wait for you while you confirm that I'm the one that spoke to you. So in the last minutes that we have, how do you confirm the whisper of God? How do you confirm it? You need to ask three critical questions. How do you confirm that God whispered to you? Ask this first question. Does the whisper line up with the Bible? Because God's word, when he whispers, will never contradict his word. So never, never go on feelings. Always come back to God's word. Don't try to twist scripture to, to fit something that you want it to fit either, right? Like it has to be accurate the way we go back to God's word where God's spirit is speaking to us through his word. So if God says to take action, it better be confirmed in God's word. And if you're thinking God's telling you to do something, but it doesn't line up with God's word, then I'm going to say this to you very boldly. It's not God. It's not God. If it contradicts his word, God is not one who contradicts. Second question you got to ask yourself is this. Does godly counsel agree with the whisper? Like if I go to my life group leader and I share with my life group leader, can they, do they confirm to me that sounds like it could be the whisper of God? If I go to my pastor or I go to another friend who I know is a godly friend who definitely is in tune with God's spirit, and I ask them, do they confirm for me that, yes, that sounds like 
the whisper of God. That's what, that's what a smart person does, and that's what Proverbs tells us to do. It says that the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to what? Advice, listens to godly counsel. But here's a warning. Right? You might go to two or three different godly counsels and you might find that what they share with you is more confusing than when you walked in the door. Or it might be that one person contradicts another person. And if that ever happens, then this is my advice to you. Right? As part of your godly counsel, I would stop in my tracks right there and assume that that whisper was not from the Lord. Or at least the way I heard it, the piece I have right now is not the whole piece. Don't take action yet because God isn't a confusing God. But here's another warning I want to give you. Many of us do this. We'll predetermine in our minds what we should do. The action we should take from the whisper we think God spoke to us. And we'll, we'll play it out and we'll have all the action steps and then we go to godly counsel. And here's what happens. Godly counsel says to you, hey, that doesn't sound like a whisper from the Lord. That sounds like a whisper from you. But you reject that because you've already got your plans. In fact, you're already in motion and you just go for it anyways, only to find out in the end of all of that devastation, destruction, frustration, you know, things are worse than what they were because you already predetermined your plans. Don't predetermine your plans. And here's a last warning for us in seeking godly counsel. Never, never, never. Let godly counsel become God's voice to you. Always go to godly counsel with what you think God's voice is. Never get yourself in a situation in your spiritual journey where you are dependent on others to hear God's voice for you. Never get yourself there. That's a dangerous, dangerous place to be in your spiritual journey. Never substitute man's interpretation of God for God's voice to you. So when you go to godly counsel, you go to them going, I think this is what God's saying to me. Help me process this. Instead of, hey, what do you think God's saying to me about this? That'll get you all screwed up. All right? So, you know, I remember one time in my life where God, God spoke to me something that just like, it, it baffled me. It kind of stopped me in my tracks. It was 20 years ago. I was here as a youth pastor, and I had an opportunity to go back to the church where I came from in Alaska. I love Alaska. It seemed like, wow, that's a great opportunity. I prayed about it, and here's what I sensed the Lord whisper to me. Jeff, you can do either, and I'll be with you. What? What? I, what? I think, I thought you called the shots. I thought you were the one that said, hey, put your left foot here and put your right foot there. Put your right foot in and take it all. I thought you were the one. Who said, take the right step and take the left step. I thought you were the one who directed my path, but God, you're the one now who's saying, like, it's up to you. You can go wherever you want and, you know, I'll be with you. I'll tell you exactly what I did with that. I went, I went straight to godly counsel before I took any action. And I said, guys, does God speak like this? And here's what these older men said to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man, I've had many, many examples of that. Here's some examples. I'm like, what? That blows my mind. And then I went back and I made, the, I made the decision. So seek godly counsel. But the last question you got to ask is this. Does the whisper bring peace to your heart? Does the whisper bring peace to your heart? Now, there's a big difference between the whisper, you know, bringing peace and you thinking that the whisper is going to somehow like lay out the, the, the track for you and you're going to see all the way down it. You're going to know exactly what to do, when to do it and how to do it all because that's not peace. Peace will give you the strength to take the next step even when you don't know where the next step is leading you. That's what peace in the heart does. 
Peace goes, I know you don't see what's going on. You're a mighty hero, Gideon. You have peace in your heart, even though you haven't seen yourself be a hero. Take the step into the unknown. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. And so peace helps us to keep moving forward. That's what Colossians 3.15 kind of drives home for us. When it says, and let the peace that comes from Christ, this is the key word here, rule in your hearts. Let peace reign in your heart. Let peace become the leader so that when you're dealing with the unknown, the leader says, take the step anyways. And you go, okay, I'm going to let peace rule in my heart. But peace is more than that. Peace will help protect you from giving up too soon or doubting when you shouldn't doubt. Look at what Philippians 4 has to say about that. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything that you can understand. Watch this. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And there is this guarding of my mind and of my heart when I'm following the whisper of God and there's times when I just want to give up. There's times when I want to walk away. Times when I want to throw the towel in. There's times when it's harder than I thought it was going to be. But peace rules in my heart and it says, you know what? You can't. It's not time. It's not time to give up. It's not time to throw the towel in. It's not time to walk away. And peace guards your heart and it guards your mind and it keeps you following the whisper of God. And it will lead you to truth. When Kim and I were living in Omaha, shortly before we moved back to Kearney again, we were living in a loft apartment downtown. We were loving it, right? But after a few years, it was, we just sensed this wrestling, like it's time to go. And... Um, so we started looking for homes, and there was this house that was on this little lake called Carter Lake, and the, the back patio kind of went out, and there's the lake, and then across the lake is Epley Airfield, and I saw airplanes coming in and out, and you know, this rowing team going down the lake, and I'm just thinking like, this is the best of everything. God, this is obviously where you want me to live, right? But I had no peace, so we walked away from that deal. So then we started looking at a house near Regency, if you know anything about that part of town, of Omaha, and man, we found this house, incredible deal, completely undervalued on a street where homes had sold for a million plus dollars in Omaha. That's the kind of street you wanna buy a house on if you can afford it. And this was, like, this was like a crazy deal, and we made an offer on it, and after I made the offer on it, I started getting that feeling like, oh man, that was the wrong thing, like you weren't supposed to do that. Like you didn't take time to process that. You didn't take time to pray about that. And I just was sick, man. But you know how house deals are. Like I, I can't pull out, man. I've, I've made the contract. That offer is a contract. And when, when, they came, when they came back and now we have agreed on a price, I'm like, holy cow, I'm walking into something I know I'm not supposed to be in. What do I do? And I'm praying literally that the inspection will come back with something that will let me out of this contract. And the inspection comes back and they say, there's mold in the attic. And I went, praise Jesus. <laughs> and my realtor was ticked. I mean, he was so upset. He's like, do you know it's just going to take a few dollars to fix that in the attic? And you got this house for this price and it's going to be worth this thing in the future. I mean, are you, you're throwing away something incredible. And I go, I know, but I got no peace, man. I'm not asking you to even understand that. I'm just telling you, I said those words to him. Like, I have no peace. Two months later, New Life calls and says, hey, would you be willing to be a part of this process where we're looking for a new lead pastor? And I was like, God, I didn't, I didn't know why I didn't have peace. But you, you knew why I wasn't supposed to have peace. Because you had something coming down the tracks, a whisper that I knew nothing of. Guys, that's where we're at today. 
are at that point where God can see down the road much farther than you can when he whispers something to us that seems like it's just out of the realm of possibility, like for Gideon. It's okay to say, God, will you confirm that for me? Because I want to walk in your will. I want to walk in your timing. So church, if you got a whisper from the Lord, bring that whisper back to God and say, God, confirm it for me. Because I'm just going to tell you right now, the believer that hears the whisper from the Lord has the confirmation and takes the action is unstoppable. The believer that thinks they heard the whisper takes action is going to get crushed. You hear the whisper, you confirm the whisper, and you take action unstoppable. God wants his church to be unstoppable. That's why he's willing to say, bring the whisper back to me. I'll confirm it to you because I want my church on fire for me. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Lord, we just come before you. We're humbled by the fact that you would even whisper to us in the first place. And then to think that you waited for Gideon for hours so that man could come back and confirm that it was you. Lord, there's so many of us in this room right now that have a whisper from you that we've had for maybe five years or three days, or we're just sensing you giving us direction in our life, but we're unsure that it's you, God. Lord, if you were willing to wait for Gideon, you're willing to wait for us. And if you were willing to you know, accept Gideon's um, offer of, God, can you confirm this for me with a, a humbled heart and with a worshipful heart? We come to you, God, with a humble heart and a worshipful heart as well. We're not trying to test you. God, we're, we're not trying to like control you. We're just coming with a worshiped heart, God, and just saying, Lord, we think you spoke to us. Before we take action, would you confirm that to us? We're willing to go talk to godly counsel. We're willing to search your word for it. We're willing to wait for the peace of your spirit. But Lord, would you confirm your word so that we can take action? Because we live in a day where your church needs to be a church that's unstoppable. We live in a day, Lord, where there's a darkness and an enemy who's raging war against our community and against souls that we love. We need to be a church that knows the whisper of God, takes the action off of that whisper, and it becomes unstoppable for your kingdom. Whisper to your church today and confirm your word. In Jesus' name. Amen.